Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Anime Brothers Podcast, your weekly dose of somewhat happiness, sadness, and everything in between. I think we're going to get a little bit of a sadness today because, unfortunately, guys, I am writing solo today. Uh, many different factors have uh, factored the, uh, I mean, hit the Anime Brothers Podcast family here, and that family is me and Earthworm. But uh, no, seriously. Weather has been a pain in the ass where we are like storm after storm after storm, like maybe like a day each. And, you know, we got our daily lives. We have a lot of things going on on top of work, on top of doing this and whatnot. And uh, Earthworm's pretty swamped. And then when he was available later on in the weekend, I'm going to be swamped. Uh, so we decided that, I, you know what, I watched an anime movie uh, recently. I also have finished Hogwarts Legacy so I just have a lot of news and a lot of things I wanted to talk about as well as talking about an anime movie. Because, you know, our latest episode, we talked about how we wanted to branch out. We want to uh, talk about all topics, weeb, anything nerd culture. We don't want to just hold it down to anime, not saying we're leaving that. Uh, so this is kind of like one where we're going to talk about an anime movie, but I'm also going to lay down like some of what I thought of Hogwarts Legacy and my rating for that. If you don't think it's a good rating, I get it. You know, it's just just a guy on a podcast talking, so... Yeah, uh, main thing here is by next episode, I, I kind of want to hype it up because we were excited for this episode because we are on YouTube. Our plan was to make sure that we were going to have uh, our next 3 by 3s be about video games. We really wanted to uh, like talk about everything video games all the way from the classics that we played all the way down to, you know, we just playing GameCube, PlayStation, the first one and all that, but pick our 3 by 3s and show you guys on YouTube. Unfortunately, that will be coming next week, probably. Uh, hopefully, don't hold me to that. Uh, and this episode, because I'm riding solo and we kind of had to just do it in the spur of the moment, this will not have a YouTube release. Um, sorry to make it kind of business-oriented, but uh, normally just letting you guys know, our podcast episodes come out every Monday. But for uh, YouTube, because of some extra editing and stuff, it will always be out Tuesday normally later in the day. So just a day later, if you guys do want to go and watch us on YouTube, Anime Brothers Podcast, make sure you like and subscribe. I hate saying it, but I'm going to say it now. You need to like and subscribe if you already like this podcast. Because once in a while, you're going to check up on there. We may get a new like anime figure, and you're only going to be able to see it if you watch the YouTube stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, make sure to check that out. But I think it's 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 just time to get to the big things. Uh, the big thing for me was uh, I wanted to watch a movie. Uh, I don't know what it what happened to me that just it just sprung out of nowhere. I was like, you know what? I need to watch a movie. I need to watch something because I'm uh, I'm like 24 now episodes. I think I'm on the 24th episode of Monster. And I've talked a little bit briefly in our latest episode with Earthworm about how I'm liking how it's very character-driven. Certain characters have their own little um, little quirks that they do um, that makes them unique to themselves, which we always like to see in our character development. So I've been watching it, but the problem is, is one is, yeah, once in a while you want to have a good dub where you don't have to constantly look at the screen and you can once in a while look down, oh, check my phone, maybe get up and get a drink. I could still hear what's going on, but I can't do it when it's in sub because I don't know very good Japanese. I try so hard to just think, you know, listening to the sub, let me try to pick up on some cadences and really see if I can understand what they're saying and there's very few things where I can hear it and think all right I know what roughly they're saying but no no it's just a no-go so anyway 
I was watching Monster. It's not really the most heart, uh, like, you know, happy go lucky, feel good show. I'm not expecting it to be, but I just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I really want to have a good time and I want to kind of have a laugh. And I haven't had that in a while, but I also want it to be anime because sometimes I like live action humor, but I like the anime humor because just Japanese humor can be pretty top notch on certain things. So I remember people in the Discord mentioning, you know, Kanasuba made a movie for the third part because it wasn't really big enough for a season. Um, I don't know if there's any other issues. I know the first and second season of Kanasuba was done by Studio Dean, which surprisingly, they do really well. Because, you know, if you watch JoJo's, you just think that's all they could do is that type of design. Hi, Samurai Wack here. Um, JD got Dean, Studio Dean and, and David Productions mixed up. I just wanted to jump in and, and, and say that that we he probably knew knows that um it just don't you know just so you don't have to jump down his throat on the on the discord um i just wanted to acknowledge that okay bye i'm sorry i wasn't on this episode bye and then you go to something like kanasuba and you're like okay that's pretty damn good that is really good uh i give it uh, sometimes i think the first time i watched the first season of kanasuba i thought that was uh, a1 pictures a1 pictures for sure um anyway yeah, so we, we, we decided to watch this movie. I've I've heard nothing but praises from anybody, you know, they know I like Kanasuba, so they're like, yo, you should you should watch the movie, it's really good. Um also I like all the characters, but my favorite character, and it's kind of like a joke, is between darkness and Megamine. Uh but I would like lean towards Megamine because I just like the idea of one, I like her character design. I know it's stupid, but having like one legging instead of two is kind of like football players having one armband or arm wrap instead of two. I like the idea of having one side have one and the I do it when I play football. I I like I like that stuff. I like the wizard hat. I like her eye patch that she doesn't use anymore, but I like everything about it. I like fingerless gloves. I don't know what it is. A lot of my characters in the Hogwarts game, I made them have fingerless gloves. I just like the idea of it. Maybe that's like emo phase. I don't know. But I just liked her and that she just put all of it in explosion magic, one blast, and the girl is done. So I'm like, yeah, I got I to gotta watch this movie. I want to get a laugh in. Uh, the dub does pretty well. But I saw that scary little thing called Studio JC Staff. Oh, they're almost like MAPPA when it comes to picking up things other studios don't want. And they're not the ones where like MAPPA, you're like, oh, great, they're doing another one. But you know it's still going to be all right. I don't mean to, you know, if you love JC staff, but when I saw that, I'm like, oh, damn, this ain't going to be the best because the one I think about the most is, you know, Seven Deadly Sins. I did notice a difference when it went to JC staff. I did not like it. And I felt like they didn't even know how to direct the scenes right, not just animation wise. Like nothing was feeling like the characters I saw in the first two seasons. And I stopped watching the show. Don't even care anymore. So I did get a little worried. You know, One Punch Man, I didn't see too much of a difference. Maybe it's because I wasn't focused on it. Maybe they did do a bad job, but I wasn't too upset about that. But I can tell most people are with me when it comes to saying, yeah, JC Staff, not really a, not really the pick, you know? So anyway, I start watching this movie. It's very simple. Hour and 29 minutes. Um, and it, it's not the most impressive um, story. I'll, I'll give you guys the a little bit of the synopsis of this. And I wrote stuff down to say like key moments that happened, how I felt, but this has got like a three paragraph, uh, 
Yeah, three paragraph thing about this stuff. So I'm just not really sure, but it I'll read the second one because that kind of more entails to what happens the start of the show. And remember, guys, once I get past the synopsis, if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, I mean it's a comedy more more of anything. So spoilers ahead. If you don't care, you hear it, and you're like, oh, that sounds funny. I'll go back and watch it. Like I said, I, I don't think this is a show where you need to, you know, not get spoiled on some things. It's not like meant to be the most heavy story-driven uh, anime. So here we go. When Yoon receives a seemingly serious letter regarding a potential disaster coming to her hometown, she immediately informs Kazuma, Sato, and the rest of his party. After a series of wacky misunderstandings, it turns out to be a mere prank by her fellow demons who want to be an author. Even so, Megamine becomes worried about her family and sets out toward the Crimson Demons village with the gang. And without spoiling that, it kind of spoils it, but like the first 20 minutes of it, Yoon basically shows up and, you know, everyone's in the pub doing their normal thing. And she just yells right at Cosmo as Cosmo's like, man, I just nothing has gone right. Well, of course, after two seasons, still nothing's gone right. She points at him. And he's like, I haven't even gotten a girlfriend. And she's like, Cosmo, I want to have your baby. And he looks at the screen because, you know, it's like fourth wall breaking. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's the popular phase of the anime. And, he, and it just cuts. And then it's like, boom, big intro. So, you know, it's going to be crazy because, yeah, I, coming right out with it like i want to have your baby you know it's not true something's behind it and it turns out she got this letter saying like if you don't go with the most worthless scaredy cat like person in the village and sleep with them and not bear a child then your 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 whole town is destroyed which in and itself is kind of funny because cosmo's like yo why did you think of me like but he's still down for it so half the time like they're talking and megamine's trying to read the letter like i don't know if this is legit and half the time, it keeps flashing to Kazuma as he's taking off his pants. Like, so, is it a yes? Is it a no? Like, Union, my sweet, are we... And it's just great because I know some people don't like the pervy characters. But Kazuma is one of those characters where he's pervy, but he's never done, like, the jobless reincarnation. Never done some of these things where he's ever actually really violated anyone. Except for the scene with Darkness where I think... Um, I forgot what it was like someone was manipulating it or he thought it was a succubus. He did not think it was darkness. So he was kind of letting out his desires and it turned out it was darkness and that then it became awkward. As soon as it comes down to him actually doing something, the boy has no balls. So I like it more because it is a joke of it. Like he wants to do all this stuff, but he never pulls the trigger, but he's always trying to flaunt like, are we going to do this? So either way, I just like the opening of the show. Uh, it gets right into it, and Union basically saying, well, even if it is a prank, I'm still going to go home. Hopefully everything's fine, and blah, blah, blah. Which, quickly you find out, Megamine is a little bit worried, and she does want to check on her village. It's basically the Megamine and Kazuma show. They have Aqua involved. You have Darkness involved. They're there for some of their moments, but this is truly like after the second season where you know Darkness, you kind of find out she was royalty. She had her own little part. The first season was more about Aqua and like Kazuma, kind of them helping each other out as they try to survive in this world because, you know, Aqua was not supposed to be there. You know, she's a god. So this one takes front seat for Megamine. And you could tell that she somewhat cares, but whatever, she shows up. And it's kind of crazy because all the people in the village, I didn't think, 
that everyone that was like the Crimson Demons acted like Megami when it comes to like announcing what they do, doing some like Ginyu force poses and then summoning their abilities. And they add these little jokes where there'll be a female character going like, I will use the power of water. And another one says, burn bright with my flames. But all the spells coming out of them are lightning. So, of course, you don't think of anything right away, but you're like, wow, that's kind of weird. And then Cosma has to make the, like, why are you guys calling it fire spells when it's all the same spell? It's like those jokes that you're not laughing nonstop, but you think it and you're like, all right, I'm just going to let that slide. And then Cosmo's going through it in his own head and you're like, oh, good. All right. I'm not the only one. And he's the only one that grounds this fucking world a little bit to reality. Like everything here is ridiculous. And I love that. I, I don't know. It's just the comedy I like. Um, maybe that's dry humor. Maybe that's something else. But either way, yeah, all the people in the village are ridiculous. And you finally meet Megamine's parents who seem completely ridiculous. They they don't want Kazuma to be there because I guess Megamine had been like writing a bunch of letters about how they've essentially done these crazy things together. But it looked it sounded like almost their girlfriend and boyfriend because he was talking about how Cosma tries to look up her skirt and all these other like like pervy things. But then she says things like, he's truly like my best friend. He's the only one that's taking care of me. He carries me when I can't, you know, use my magic, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, oh, you know, you see Cosimo's kind of like, damn, I didn't think she thought of that uh, about me. But of course, the, the mom and dad weren't too happy about it. All of a sudden, though, Cosimo mentions about this investment idea he has. He didn't think it'd be a big deal, but he's going to make like $300 million. And after that, the family loves him. The The mom, I think on like two, three occasions, tries to lock them in the same room so they'll like cuddle and stay warm when they go to bed. And then things will hopefully lead to another, which I cannot do all those scenes when that happening justice. But I'm going to tell you right now, it it had me dying because he goes through these episodes when he's first locked in there like... 15 different 20 different things going through his head like how am I going to do this if I lay down with her I look like a perv but it's freezing in here and also you find out the mom's making it cold because there's so many things are happening so that way like Kazuma even says it, I'm like trapped I, I can't win either way and I like all the decisions he's making of course you know Megami's just cutely sleeping and all that and he's going through all these like no matter what I do it ain't going to be good so one thing leads to another she wakes up and, you know, he says some good things like, I would never take advantage of you. And then she, like, makes a comment and he overthinks her comment, thinks, oh, she wants to get down. And then, you know, she doesn't like that. She dips out the window. A bunch of things. It's just the comedy. I can't nail it. I'll just say the show did a really good job. Uh, I think it's the original dub cast for the Kanasuba movie. But you don't go into Kanasuba going, oh, what's this great threat? Well, it turns out, I mean, there really wasn't a great threat. You know, the the... The Demon King is still like sending people after these villagers, but no lie. They send you like, they show you like a 35, 45 second clip of literally everyone from the village just summoning every spell they can because, you know, they actually put their spells into different categories. They don't just leave it to explosion magic and they are just decimating this battleground. And Cosmo's like, wow, this is kind of ridiculous. He's like, oh, yeah, we do this all the time. We're never in threat. So, there's no threat. You're you're pretty much halfway almost into the show thinking, wow, there really is no threat here. This was just Megamine going to the village and uh, them seeing the parents, which, you know, I'm totally fine with. This is kind of like a slice of life in an isekai world. 
But anyway, yeah, so things just keep progressing uh, after that whole debacle where he's trying to sleep in the same bed as Megamine. Uh, uh, Darkness and Aqua are, you know, having breakfast, and they'll add their little comments. It's like, do you want anything else, Lizama? And he's like, no, no, wait, what did you call me? And they're like, oh, nothing. And then they keep talking. He's like, okay, forgets about it. And then Darkness says, so if you have nothing else to do, Kazu Trash. So they come up with all these nicknames, and they just add it so quickly to the sentence. And then he's like, ah, well, yeah, I don't mind having more of it. Wait, what did you call me? It's just, it's more of the humor where it just built. Once again, you hear it, you don't think of anything at first, and then Kazuma's reaction kind of gets you because you're like, holy shit, that, you know, they know what they did, and yeah, they're, they're letting on them a little bit. I like that. Um, so yeah, uh, it just becomes like another 10, 15 minutes of Megamine walking him around her town, showing her school uh, where she used to go. You meet all the students, and apparently the one student that wanted to be an author wrote that whole story about you know if you don't come here you're you know your your dad's gonna die all this stuff to union so union found that out she wasn't too happy either way so yeah it's just more of like to get to know um a little bit more about union and megamine and their their people they live with which is i mean i don't mind them they're friendly but they're over the top uh you find out i think why a little bit down the road which i'll get to in a second but they're just ridiculous. That the way they do things, they they think everything is just too much. It's just too much how they are. I, I thought Megamine was pretty, like she's young, so she's just like, kind of like got a kid mind of like I'm gonna be the best there is at explosion magic. But no, truly everyone in this town believes they're the best at something that they do, and they just go a little eccentric with all of it. So, but. There was a little thing, and this is what I'll say about Konosuba. I usually tell people, if it's going to be comedy, stick to mostly comedy. If you're going to be romantic, stick to mostly romantic. Action, stick to action. You know, I don't mind making a mix of things. And what I like about Konosuba is they'll, they'll throw in a couple of the the nice things or like the little like, oh, that's cute moments. And that's it. They don't sell it like, oh, this is now going to be a very romantic or happy. It's more of still comedy, and that's what I want it to be grounded at. But you find out that Yoon when... She and Megamine were younger. It kind of gives out the, you know, Megamine was saying, I was storing up all my points so I could keep putting it into explosion magic. And Union was doing the same because they were like besties or rivals, as you say. But during this um, time when they were younger, uh, Megamine has a sister, by the way, but yeah, she's not talked about. Kind of hate that, but either way. So her sister's getting attacked by a bunch of like ogres and stuff like that. It's pretty quick, but it's not like we're trying to get the most backstory out of this. And you find out that Union quicker than Megamine, because Megamine was actually, which I, I was kind of upset because I'm like, you are almost not going to spend any points in anything other than explosion magic to save your own sister because you were so indecisive. But even Megamine gets upset at herself that she didn't do it. But Union decides, fuck this, starts putting all her you know, stuff in any magic she could do so she could instantly save Megamine's sister. And blah, blah, blah. But because she already did it that early, she's never able to do uh, advanced magic. She's stuck at where she started leveling her stuff. While Megamine never had to do anything. So that's why she's able to save all of her points to keep putting it in this high-level magic. So in a way, without Megamine kind of saying anything, Union, I think, yeah, even Aqua said, oh, look, because of that, you know, you got to do what you want. And Union's become the pretty much the best wizard, even over you. And Megamine's like, no, 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 no. But yeah, essentially Union's able to do magic and not pass out, while Megamine is basically able to do the explosive magic, but only one time. 
but it was nice to see. It was nice to see uh, a little bit of backstory, and you kind of like, wow, Megamine's kind of mean to Union, even though she took care of her and her sister. So you could say, well, that that's what makes her not a good character to you. Um, but I think that by the end of this movie, you see she understands, and it's like Union and her get more closer. But yeah, after all that stuff, that's when things start to go into like, all right, we got to have a little bit of a bad. Um, and there's like this, I think they call it a chimera. So it was this, this, this creature, even though it looks like a woman, um, it would, it made herself have big boobs. And she was like this ogre tall standing, uh, a leader of the ogres that was working for the demon King. So the next person, and she was attacking the village and she was making pretty much headway into getting into the village. She does get into the village. She does this whole scene where she steals Kazuma, basically, because she got these tentacle things, which normally on, like, girl scenes, we get really upset. But once again, that's why I love the show, is Kazuma gets to, you know, enjoy some nice things and feel up women and look at women. But then this boy goes through the ringer when it comes to being scarred or horrible things happening to him. I haven't even talked about the earlier scene uh, that I'm way fast-forwarding past where there's these ogre women when they get spawned, and the ogre women don't have men in this territory, so any man they see, they they get so hungry for wanting that, you know, that dick, and they chase him down, and they hold him down, and he basically almost gets raped, and it even says in the scene, like, Kazuma has been scarred, and then it shows, like, from what, and it was that, and this other situation, he's getting grabbed, and he gets, like, pretty much... shoved into this huge chimera's breast and he's loving it and of course you know darkness is like i'll be the hostage and he's just like in his head shut the fuck up let me feel these boobs so he's just loving it he gets flopped around he doesn't want to be saved but then it turns out this chimera has both uh female and male ends and for kazuma that's a no-go uh, and as he's sitting there flipped around looking at them he looks up to him, he's like uh there's something touching my leg, but that can't be what I think it is. And then she's like, oh, yes, I'm a chimera. I can do whatever I want, and that is definitely what you think it. And there's another moment. It's like, boom, Kazuma is scarred. That's what I mean. It's like this boy is like a perv. He, you know, He's not the best person in the world, but he doesn't get like the easy road. He goes through stuff that he does not enjoy, that stuff that makes him uncomfortable. He basically got beat up by ogre women. He gets held hostage by this chimera. He gets trampled all the time, and we've already seen this boy get blown up and killed like twice and having to be brought back to life. It ain't it ain't easy, Chief, you know, being out here for Kazuma. So yeah, he goes with this Chimera because he's held captive, and this Chimera talks about how they're, the Crimson Demons are holding this thing in their basement that is called the Magic Mage Slayer. So it's able to wipe away all forms of magic and make it so that these Crimson you know Demons that are actually pretty powerful, even though... We don't think Megamine's that powerful. And um, he locks her in there. You know, he kind of scams her, gets out of there, drops in then You know, you think it's over because she was stuck. And it turns out while she was in there, which this is Konosuba, she becomes this big, the mage, you know, slayer, mage killer thing, like a big, long steel basilisk worm thing. And at the end is her face and her big ass fucking voluptuous boobs. And whatever little like tape things they got on it to cover her nipples. Like it's literally trying to get so close to pretty much showing full nudity, but you know, it's kind of super. It never really shows it fully. Like when you see Aqua's skirt, you know, shit 
But anyway, yeah, so th- that's it. That's the the mage slayer now. And it's like, damn, what are we going to do? She literally wipes almost everyone's magical powers from the Crimson Demons. And as soon as that happens, boom, they become little little wimps. And it's pretty funny to see. The thing that confused me, and I don't know if I caught it right, and maybe I wasn't paying attention for that five, ten minutes, and it's meant to be a joke. But from what I remember, there's this little tablet on the back explaining like the legend of the Mage Slayer and, the, and and all of the Crimson Demons and, you know, basically Megamine saying, yeah, this is the come all be all of like what what it's the sayings for us and what we have to read. And it's only in Japanese so Kazuma can read it. And it turns out like this crazy scientist made essentially almost like Android 17 and 16 robots. And that's the Crimson Demons. They're basically human-like, like AI and then they came up with their own signature stuff and their personas of how they act. Um, and he just accepted it. And they accepted him as like the, the the leader or whatever or some kind of god. And he's in the middle of his tablet kind of making fun of how like not smart they are. <laughs> and the whole time Megami's like, what does it say? And Kazuma doesn't want her to know because it's almost like, okay, does that mean like Megami and all of them? They're just not... They're technically androids. I Maybe it wasn't androids, but it looked like a scientist made these fuckers because then he makes this mage killer, this snake-like thing. And apparently these crimson demons decided when they, when they saw it, like these are our, this is our arch rival. This is the thing that will destroy us. This is the, th- it's like they're Ragnarok. And he wanted to tell him like, nah, it's just one of my snake things I made, but he thought it was hilarious. So he let them just believe what they wanted to believe. So, they made up their own rules and technical, like, Ragnarok fortune-telling shit. So it's a joke in itself that these people think this is the coming of the end, and it's like, it's just the scientists that made all this and decided to let you guys kind of have at it. So in and itself, by by this time, and you're watching the fight and everything happen, you're like, technically, this is just his own creations going at it. Like, there's no real big crisis here. It's just... Megamine having to save her own family that she doesn't know is technically they're all like robots from what I got. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, and if I was really confused by that. But um, yeah, that was that was interesting to know. That was definitely interesting to know. I'm going to have to definitely look that up more in detail because that was the one thing I didn't pick up. But yeah. During that whole part, uh, during this big fight and all that, Union's like one of the only ones still being able to use powers because she wasn't in the vicinity. She's helping out by distracting uh, the Chimera girl. I think her name was Sylvia. Yeah, Sylvia. It's still fresh in the brain a little bit. And basically, they come up with this big strategy um, where there's also this telling in the fortune um it's a big gun, but he said, I called it a rail gun because everyone, the Crimson Demons, thought it was crazy. So there's a secret weapon that's able to take down, you know, the Mage Killer, Mage Slayer thing. So the distraction, you see, like, in the corner, like, before the plan's coming out, you see that um, Aqua is constantly giving blessings to Cosmo. It was like, great. Uh, constantly giving the blessings. So you know something crazy was going on. Blessings. We already know Cosmo's naturally lucky. Um... And Union's running away to pretty much draw the attention. Uh, and then I th- I forgot the guy's name with the mask, but him and Weez, the big boob magic chick, show up like by this end fight just to kind of help out. And they put the mask on Darkness so she can actually hit things and be a good uh, paladin. And I must say, if she was able to use the sword right and actually be able to fight, 
she is the most overpowered because she literally takes the most hits. She's taking sword attacks and blocking with her small sword against this fucking chimera. It's like you just think about how funny in itself that if, if it wasn't for this mask guy, you know, uh, merging with her again, she wouldn't be able to do this. She'd just be taking an ass whooping. She'd probably be like liking it. But yeah, he holds his own when he's able to use her. And uh, Kazuma's, you know, strategy to get uh, get her to keep on slowing down so they can charge up that gun was to pretty much take his shirt off and be like, I want you, baby, no matter what you are, who you are, I'm going to be with you forever. And, you know, all she wants to be is loved. You know, Sylvia's trying to do everything she she wants to to get that thing called love. So she's like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I can't stress how much the oh, yeah, gets me, though, in the moment because... It shows like Cosmo giving those those eyes, those dirty eyes. He's like, oh, yeah, he's willing to do this. So he gets pretty much taken into her body and is like pretty much in front. Kind of like if you think of Goku and Piccolo when he's holding um, Raditz. And you can almost say like on the other end. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was just it was pretty good. So they charge up the gun. They killed her. Uh, she came back to life. So I'm kind of jumping all around because, yeah, the Cosmo thing happened after she came back to life. And I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of it right now. So finally, Yoon Yoon and Megumin together do this ultimate explosion. And pretty much Cosmo is taking the hit as well as her. But she was distracted enough to basically take the blast. She died. So you kind of feel bad because she just wanted to be loved. And Kazuma gets annihilated, but because of all the blessings and his amount of luck, it didn't show it. But when he was going back to get revived, you could see that like this like distraught, like scaredness of like, like, oh, my God, like the horror of seeing probably how bad his body or what little of him was left after that explosion. But he had just enough so that she could bring him back to life for like the third or fourth time. And, uh, yeah, they saved the day, and it's like Megamine and Union did it together. And I pretty much said most of what happened in the story, so it has more spoilers than I thought. But I wanted to say the ending of this is key for me because it's not meant to be the most serious story. It's not meant to be the, like, wow, the driving force of, like, what makes the isekai isekai. It's a joke on an isekai with sexual humor as well as dry humor but in the end, you've been around these like four main characters for a long time. And slowly, you wonder if Megamine really does like Kazuma a little more than you think. Because there's some moments going on and Kazuma doesn't think about it. But then he really sits and thinks about it once you know she makes comments like he's my best friend. So at the end of this, Megamine decides finally, you know, I got to stop being selfish. You were there for me. I want to give up. Always just going in explosive. So from now on, you handle my skill points and put them wherever you want. And you could tell it hurts her, but she finally wants to be useful. And Kazuma, this is where I finally say he gets a lot of flack, maybe. Or maybe he, he does get more like than I thought. But he he starts, you know, adding the points. She just takes it, puts it back in her, you know, her little pocket. She doesn't want to think about it. And he's like, hey, for old time's sake, why don't you give us one more explosion, you know? She's like, really? You're going to have me do that? He's like, hey, I want to see it. So she's, you know, making sure she's going to give this one last one. She's getting all emotional and she lets it out. And JC staff doesn't do the best job in this movie, but it is a movie. So you, you probably have a little more higher budget than the, the show. And it just, it looked like the explosion that Megamine and Union did together just previously. Like he up probably all of those skill points into explosive magic. again. it was so beautiful in an animation style. 
and it and as she's following and she saw the colors and stuff, she falls and knocks over. But she, you could tell that she was mesmerized by her own spell, and without saying anything. And that's what I like when animes can do that. Like this show can do that better than some other ones where I, I won't get off on it. It's just you know if you know on certain shows where they try to do the comedy romance, comedy romance, but. This isn't really romance, but he picks her up like he always does, slowly carries you know, her to Aqua and Darkness as they're about to have a nice picnic. And she's like, she's holding him because she has to, but you can tell she's kind of blushing. She's happy because Cosma didn't try to change her. And he says in his little monologue as it's like closing the show off, like, you know, I got this far with her. You know, you could say, you know, she isn't the best, but who do you know has a, a magical wizard that can take out pretty much an entire army with one explosion? Guess what? I don't think you can. And he's he's finally coming to grips with the group of people he has. He makes fun of it, but here you could finally see he deep down likes having this family, if I can say that. So it closed off pretty well. Um... I don't know how farther the manga goes. I don't know if there's anything coming in ways of like, okay, finally a third season or if it'll just be another movie. JC staff did a pretty good job. And actually this movie, when I get to my rating, I'm probably going to give it a really high rating more than maybe people think. I mean, it's got a good rating on Mal. But the only knock I could find was the quality because there were a lot of times where I could see the JC staff animation. A lot of the fights were very simplistic, almost like Studio Pro with Naruto of like more fluidity over detail. But the difference in Naruto is like there's some crazy over the top choreographed fights. This is more of like swing, swing, blast, dart over here, blast. It's, it's a little stale, but it's not if, the, if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, JC Staff, the only the only thing with this movie I didn't personally like compared to Studio Dean was the quality. The explosions are great. They knew when to, they had to nail it, but there was definitely some times where it lacked, and I saw it, and I'm like, yep, this is JC staff, all right. But I thought it was really good, and it could be recency bias, but I never hated Konosuba. I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if I gave them both nines and the both seasons are only eight on one of them, but this being a movie, I think I have to give this a nine. I really do. Um, it's an easy hour and 25 minutes to watch um it's a lot of character growth in like union and megamine and kazuma in a very short amount of time if you think about that that's like four episodes to me that's pretty damn good um especially in a show that's mostly of comedy it's not meant to be the big all come all story who knows if kazuma's ever going to get out of this world from what it looks like it's like he's come to grips with it but i had a good time and that's all i wanted to do i wanted to have a little bit of brightness after some of these gloomy winter days and I'm watching stuff like Monster and I'm also watching Last of Us. It's like, you know, it's not always the most happy-go-lucky. And I just was like, yeah, you know, I've been told. Kanosuba. Kanosuba is the one for the movie to watch. So I recommend watching it. I did not do it justice. I probably even, like, fucked up that ending of how it went down. There was a lot of moving parts, uh, a lot to say, and most of it had jokes involved. And I can't nail it. I can't do that. But I highly recommend it. Uh, it wasn't as sexually perverted as like the first two, in my opinion. Like the succubus uh, chimera girl was pretty out there with the big knockers. But I mean, I was expecting something at some point. So there you go. But that's gonna do it. Um, that's gonna do it for that. Um, talking about Konosuba. 
the legendary Crimson, uh, whatever, Crimson, uh, Legend of Crimson. Yeah. And all right, so my next thing, and this is kind of a segue. So we'll get uh, leaning into that. Uh, the segue is going to be about Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I, I want to kind of end on Hogwarts Legacy, a video game, because hopefully our next episode is going to be our three by threes. We're going to get deep into like video games that we've enjoyed. A lot of ones I'm pretty sure all you listeners heavily love or remember from back in the day to also current ones that have come out. But if I can say real quick before talking about Hogwarts, games nowadays lack um, because it's all about the money. It's all about the live service. It's all about the, how can we get DLC right away? Or, Hey, you want to have that nice outfit? Well, you should pay for it. You know what I'm saying? So we get to Hogwarts legacy. I know there's some, you know, things I'm not going to mention it. There's some stuff going around, you know, if you play the game, but I wanted to get to more of the core of like Hogwarts legacy. This is coming from me. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Have I watched all the Harry Potter films? Of course I have. I have a wife that has read the books three times over. Uh, I think once every once every year she has to watch all eight movies in a row, which I get. I I get. I think I've done Marvel stuff and Lord of the Rings once a year. Um, so I'm kind of like put into it um, a little bit. And I've always thought that the world itself is fascinating. But like at least how the movies are directed, and I've even heard the books when they deal with like death of characters. It's, to me, horrible. One of my favorite things about the Harry Potter world, or at least any world, is that death that matters because death is the most, I don't know, pinnacle of establishing emotion from characters, emotion from the viewers, listeners, whatever, uh, and establishing more of like, how can I say it? It just makes it so the story going forward or any kind of like justice that needs to be held it could be, you know, someone died because of, you know, a, a final wish. So it wasn't like justice. It was more of like, hey, I got to do my final wish for my father. Death pretty much solidifies a huge, huge factor to any kind of storytelling. So I do like Harry Potter's world. I love all the creatures. Hence why I sometimes like Fantastic Beasts more than Harry Potter. Not because of the storytelling, but because there's a lot of magical beasts. And I like creatures. I like animals. I like anything to do with that. So, boom. Needless to say, when Hogwarts Legacy came out about you can do your own story, an RPG kind of element, and they sold me on the big thing I think we all knew and we kind of joked and memed about, you could kill people in Hogwarts Legacy. Boom. You sold me. Now, I was at first thinking it was going to be Red Dead Redemption 2. I could walk around anywhere once I learned the Avada Kedavra spell and kill people. I get that it's technically a T for teen uh, and they, they couldn't have that happen. So they didn't make that possible. You pretty much only kill poachers, uh, dark creatures. Like there's wolves and you could say like, well, wolves aren't evil, but these ones are, they're called mongrels. They're pretty much evil. Okay. Uh, trolls, um, a bunch of little goblins, stuff like that. Dark wizards. They don't have the biggest variety when it comes to enemies, but let me tell you, you're going to kill those people. That's what kind of 
and we've talked about this in the recent podcast uh, with uh, Mr. Earthworm not like understanding why is it that this Avada Kedavra spell is like a curse? It's like it's unforgivable next to Imperio and Crucio, which is a Crucio is the torture curse and Imperio is like the brainwashing curse. Why is it when I slam a guy into the ground and almost crit him and then set him on fire and he dies? Is that not bad? But just killing him instantly, which is almost like a painless death, is bad, you know? And I know it's the point of just shut your brain off sometimes, but you got to really establish like in this world that you've made that why is it so unforgivable when Bombarda, which is literally an explosion spell, you hit someone with that, I'm pretty sure they're dying. You know, there's one where you get slashed. I forgot uh, what was that one was called when you summon it. You get slashed, basically. I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, I get, like, Leviosa and the ones where you, like, Akio, where you just pull yourself. You're not really killing someone. But also, I can pull someone, then hit Depulso, and that shoots them out, and I do it over a cliff. They die when they hit the ground. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, it never really made sense to me. And the game kind of takes a very, very long time to get those unforgivable curses. Um, and then when you get it, it's like the cooldown for the goddamn thing is, it says 30 seconds, but it feels like an eternity. And I just want to go out there and spam, spam, spam and kill these guys. Uh, so, but anyway, I have a like a breakdown of everything of Hogwarts Legacy. That goes with gameplay, story, uh, interface, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to kind of go over and touch on each one of those things. Um, if you haven't played the game, you probably won't even like this part or really, really understand. I'm just going to go down each one of these. I think I got like six of them, um, breaking down the game itself. Like whenever you see YouTube clips of them describing it, and then I'll explain why I'm giving these ratings for that. And then I'll give my overall rating. Uh, cause, uh, I did put a lot of time into, it. I put about 50 hours, but by the time I completed everything, I think I have an 89% completion rate like i'm almost at 100 but at, at the point when you beat the game you're just doing mindless shit to get no rewards now you've beaten the game your max level um the max level is 40 it's not that much so uh we'll go with the gameplay the i think for most video games if we all come to an agreement agree that gameplay is key you need replayability which comes down to gameplay if you're doing like the same x button over and over again it's going to get dull quickly in this game I felt like had the perfect um, amount of like simplicity when you, you know, you hit the right trigger to constantly do just a normal spell, but the way you learn to use different spells and they're labeled by like purple, yellow, red, green being the curses, certain enemies have certain shields for the red, the yellow or purple. So you got to use that to break them. You can also combo people in the air, like pull someone near you, levi levitate them, hit them a couple times, drop them to the ground. When they hit the ground, they bounce back up and then hit them with like a confringo, a fire spell. All of those, it's just a very simplistic, you know, hit, hit, you know, like instead of like X, 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 you're hitting X, Y, B, X, Y, B, something like that. So it's like a fighting game, but it's happening in an RPG element. You could be surrounded by enemies. You could have just flown down. You got a troll coming at you, and there's certain spells where if he swings down his club, if you hit like a flipendo, it'll flip the uh, the you know the club into his face. If those little things, that's great. And I always found myself wanting to fight the bigger creatures or the or the you know the knights, the big bosses, because they have unique things where if you want to beat them, you need to utilize all your spells. Where oh they you know you take their sword away. You can hit RB to grab that sword they just lost out of their arm and then fling it at them. It's very adaptable. It's very simplistic. And it's very, uh, 
it's quick. Everything feels very, um, very quick to respond. If I could say that quick to respond to all your commands and everything's quick to where you can heal with down with the D pad. You can flip from your other sets of combo hotkeys on, even if you're not on a computer by hitting the D pad left, right up and down. So you have a whole list of different spells to use without having to constantly change them. You can do everything on the fly. I like that. I just really like that. And it has a very easy counter system like Assassin's Creed where you hit Y in this small window if you see it. And if you played something like Elden Ring or Sekiro or any kind of harder game, this is easy. You could literally be taking shots from all sides and deflecting everybody, but it's still challenging enough to where you need to learn how to use, all right, I, I got to use these certain spells for this enemy, this type of spell for that one. So the gameplay was like one of the keys to lock down. I give it an 8.5. Fucking amazing. Uh, probably one of the few best things in the, uh, best things I say, cause I like the game, but I'm going to, I'm going to get on some flaws. So yeah, 8.5 out of 10, we're going to get down to story next. And the story is something to where I always have a gripe with Harry Potter stories. Um, if you've watched the first and second Harry Potter, you don't even need to watch any other Harry Potters. I feel like a lot of the things they make you do in the show is exactly what happens for Harry in the first two movies, and yet you're supposed to be a fifth year that somehow is able to master this ancient magic that ancient magic is very few could do. Only you can see it. And that's why the commercials are saying this is the show to make you feel like Harry Potter. They had to make another character that is the the chosen one, whether you're male or female, whatever. So it's it's kind of, to me, mid. I enjoyed it at the beginning because it's unique and all oh, my characters talking. I could choose some dialogue. But as more and more, like, you go to Ollivanders and you're picking out wands and everything's going bad till you get the right wand, well, that happens in Harry Potter. When you get to go to the house sorting, you know, he's sitting there, well, difficult, very difficult. And he's going to suggest something to you, but you can pick the house you want to go to. Harry technically picked who he wanted to go to. He went to Gryffindor, even though the hat said Slytherin. So that's what I mean. You're already going through kind of what Harry's going through. It's kind of just the same thing. The Goblin Rebellion happened back then. My wife was telling me, so they, they added that into it. So it's realistic, but this whole ancient magic, it's like, all right, well, if you want to know the whole story and you want to like be given the weapon that will end you know, the fights with the goblins, well, you have to go through trials and everyone jokes about it. It's literally like a lot of games are like, oh, you got to go through three trials. Once you do that, they accept you. I think that's been in Assassin's Creed games or any other kind of game made. So yeah, it's pretty simple. And by the end of the game, I didn't see it. I looked up the differences of what you pick for certain choices. And this ain't no Mass Effect. Mass Effect ain't even the best, but I feel like it ain't got no Witcher type of shit with choices. To me, it's lacking on the most choice part. You can pick some dialogue. It's either being a wise ass or a nice guy. That's it. So the story for me is a 6 out of 10. Uh, nothing to write home about. It had a very corny, like everyone show up at the final boss fight, kind of like how everything is in Harry Potter. So yeah, very, very mid. So next comes to my biggest gripe of the whole entire game, and that is the interface, uh, the quest management, the lineup, how it is to... Easily go from map to your gear slots, blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't like it. I, it was easy to get around the whole point of like this wheel where you could pick, go to gear, go to stuff. But my biggest gripe with the interface was one, sometimes you were like, okay, I need to 
check out where I am on the map. And it would take a split second too long. And I know that's like, I'm harping. I'm just saying it just felt like sometimes it was, this game was trying to show that it doesn't load that much. Like everything is once you're loaded in, you're in, but you can tell there are some times where it needed to like, when you're going to pop up the map or something, it needed a minute to think. And then when you do the quest and you're trying to pick a quest, it does this thing where the main quest or one of the main quests, cause there's more than one is in yellow. So you think, okay, when I track something, normally when you track it, it turns to that basically yellow or whatever color is the main quest or whatever quest that you are now following because you have decided to make that your sole priority. It keeps it to a color you're like associating with. Here's where the main quest you're looking for is right now. You clicked on it. This is the tracking of it. What it decided to do was it'll show the yellow quest, main quest line where it is on the map. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do that yet. I'm going to do a side quest. So you click on the side quest, and at the the moment you click it in the uh, interface or the screen, it shows like it turned yellow almost. It says, okay, tracking this now. You back out of it, and you look on the map, and if you're not like smart enough or you don't really just look at it, you start going, okay, where's the yellow marker? Okay, it's right here. You go, you teleport, or you fly there. You get there, and you realize this is the main quest. What the fuck? So I go back have to go down through the interface. I'm, I'm going down through my quest. I'm like, all right, there's the side quest I picked. I look at it. Okay, I clicked on it. I go on the map, and it's like they made it the... It's white, but the markers look almost like every other legend symbol that is on the map. There's just a lot jumbled in there, kind of like a Ubisoft game, you know? And you look, and oh, no, this side quest is all the way in the bottom right of the screen, but it's just white. It looks like a normal... Uh, quest uh, like symbol like everything else it's not yellow it's not popping it's not there and you're like that's where it is I keep following it's like I and as many times I told myself it never will track and turn yellow the way the game was set up it was very hard to navigate and I had friends I was playing with where they were in a party were describing it and he's like I'm like hey what quest are you on he's like I don't know hold on and he's like I, I think yeah, it's this one. Like everyone seemed like they were having a hard time to go through the quest lines. I don't think it's more of a me problem. I just know I've had a lot of RPG games a lot more easier to find and navigate quests. And some people don't want to have all the quests, you know, being shown to them. But I do. I do because I want to uh, get the best I can, find the best where best equipment is. I want to get the highest level before I do main quest and get to the final part of the game. So I'm giving it a five out of ten. I I think it was like the mid, like the story. It it wasn't bad. It's one of I think the creators of uh, Portkey Games. The last game they did was Cars Three. So hey, you got to give them credit for something. But that's where it's lacking. So now we're on to uh, characters. The characters are pretty damn cool. Uh, they added a lot of new ones. They're also returning at least names. So they're probably like descendants and whatnot. You got like Professor Weasley. She's in there. Uh, you have uh, one of the Black family, like Sirius Black. Uh, I think it's his name is Nigelius Black. You have um, Fig, your professor that basically is accompanying you through this whole journey. He was pretty well done. Um, there's a guy that looked like Snape that does potions. He used to be a former Auror, which is basically a former like wizard that fought dark wizards. But I felt like at some point they did not give you enough of these teachers they had you following like certain characters that were from different houses, like uh, Natai. 
uh, who was from Gryffindor, Sebastian, who was from Slytherin, Poppy, who was from Hufflepuff, and she was cool because she helped you do a quest line of things with animals. Natty was more of like taking on poachers, and then Sebastian was taking on the goblins because he's trying to protect his sister. They're all cool characters, and I did like some of them. I love Poppy to death. I love Sebastian. I mean, it's the darkest quest line you can actually go without going too M-rated for mature-like. Uh, Natty's was pretty good as well. I felt like they kind of slacked on her a little bit um, just because of the the ending side quest was not as great as I wanted it to be. But it did have a cool ending where you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know you could do that. So that was cool. Other than that, though, I really wanted to know more of the teachers and especially Professor Garlic, which if you know, you know, I was uh, always excited to go to Herbology. Whatever you want, Professor. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a fifth year, so that means I'm an adult almost. Anyway, so I liked a lot of the professors and I felt like, let's just say the headmaster. You see him like the beginning and the end and you technically, if I don't want to spoil too much, but you turn into him, but it's not really him. So it's like, what's the point of having a headmaster that like almost the same with Dumbledore you see a lot of, you don't see a lot of this headmaster just doesn't feel like when you're walking through the school, a lot of the teachers were out and about interacting as much as you thought they were. And I thought they did a good job with some of these characters. They did a great job with, you know, just showing these side characters where you do side quests and you actually kind of don't think the, the quest line is that bad. But they just didn't nail it for me. Um, I've played games with Mass Effect where I talk about it a lot, but I got in-depth with the characters. You know, I wanted to hear every bit of dialogue, but then when it came to certain other characters, I didn't really care. I didn't really like it meet um, in Ravenclaw too much. Uh, He was just fascinated by the stars, and uh, that was about it. I just, I didn't get much off of that, man, you know? So it's, it's very hard to say I like all of them, but all in all, a good set of characters. So I give it a 7 out of 10, you know? Now, we get to design and graphics, and I go by design by what your outfits look like or everyone's outfits look like. You're able to change your outfits all the time, so that's the good thing about it, and I've never wanted to wear more robes than playing this fucking game. So, good on them. I liked everything about the design. The graphics, to me, for this company to not make anything since, like, Cars 3 and make for next-gen consoles, it's not the most detailed facial expressions, but except for a few hiccups with Professor Fig and like his office I ran into, the graphics are like spot on. I decided not to pick, uh, you know, 60 FPS. I wanted 30, but I wanted like the, the, the ray tracing for the lights. I don't know. I wanted everything. I wanted the waves. I wanted it to be when I fly through the air on my hippogriff. I wanted to see and take everything in. I wanted to have the least amount of like pop in. So I'm like, yeah, if you drop my frame rate a little bit, whatever, bro. That's that's cool with me. I just want to be able to see everything. And I think the world and everything with the design of uh, the graphics nailed it. I, I didn't find any flaws. I I don't think, yeah, even with fighting, nothing, even on the 30 FPS, I didn't feel like it ever slowed down. Uh, and the designs of your character and like, you know, it's not detailed, but the hair designs you could do, the scars you can add, uh, the ability to not have to wear what, you got and make yourself look ridiculous. You could decide your outfits layout um, just by making the appearance of like a certain outfit, but still equipping the best gear. I think games need to do that more often because as much as I liked Elden Ring and 
all that and you know what you got to put on is what you're putting on but i really like matching sets and i'm sure 99 percent of everyone else does um so i'm gonna give that a nine out of ten i think that was the highest even next to the gameplay is i've never changed my, i changed my outfit almost every quest i wanted to be the killua of this game world where i just constantly had a new outfit you never knew what i was coming out with uh as the seasons changed in the game because that's what it goes from uh autumn uh, summer a winter i i decided to keep changing my hair so like i would trim my hair down for the summertime the winter i'd let it grow out and then as i started going into the evil side with curses i made my hair look like grindelwald in the first two movies like slick back like yeah i'm, I'm a part of that squad now so when you do that it means you made the designs cool and i really wanted to feel it and the graphics look good enough for it so the last thing is the world design and I kind of think this is still the same with the design of just everything else. But like I say, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter nut, but I went through Hogwarts and I walked through every part of it and it looked good. Uh, I went through Hogsmeade and I'm like, this looked good. I went across like the water that you can see in all the movies and I'm like on my hippogriff trying to like have my hippogriff's foot touch the water like they did in Prisoner of Azkaban. And... I felt it even though I'm not the biggest fan. So I can't imagine what my wife was feeling or any of you Harry Potter fans out there. And the design, everything was nailed. I mean, it was in the 1800s, so things may not be there that you saw in the movie yet, stuff like that. I know they didn't have like Quidditch, but the Quidditch field was there. That was amazing. I think they nailed everything. I really do. And uh, the design was top notch. There was maybe a couple designs where they made the map a little too big. Uh, and there was no need for it. And I liked it more if it was more condensed and more like levels to it, like they were talking about. There was levels, but they still made a huge map. So on that end, I would probably give it an 8 out of 10. Um, all in all, this game, I, I gave some bad parts when it came to the story and interface, but the core things I need is I need some characters, which I did. I need gameplay, and I need to like want to... like dress up my character. I, I want to feel like my character has meaning. He doesn't have a lot of meaning in the story, in my opinion, when it comes to this stuff, but I just liked being able to change my look, put the hood up, put the hood down. Now, was the, the people around you in the world reactive to what you're wearing? No. So if you decide to wear a full suit of armor, it's kind of weird that no one says anything, but hey, it's supposed to have fun. Uh, I heard that they want to now, of course, Warner Brothers wants to make more money. They want to make an online multiplayer or something where everyone can play together, which if they keep the gameplay, I could see it, you know, doing things together. I don't know what they're going to do. It's more of like online multiplayer would be better to play like Quidditch. But uh, no, I think it was a really good game. I've never put 50 hours into a game in a while and completed it. So I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Uh, definitely solid game, and I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I made sure to get the deluxe. Me and my wife played it, and I enjoyed it, and it made us actually talk more. Um, it's kind of like if you know, hopefully one day she watches some more anime, and finally, you know, we could have some talks about anime. But uh, I did get a little more into the conversations with her about Harry Potter because I'm playing in this game, and it's good. It's definitely good. I think you should try it. Do you need to pay the seventy dollars to play it early? If you did, probably not. But we all knew we wanted to play. So, yeah. Um, hopefully you guys didn't mind this. I definitely talked a lot today. A lot. Um, I'm going to feel it later on. Um, we'll definitely get back on the normal schedule. We'll definitely have the YouTube videos coming out on Tuesday, hopefully for the next episode. 
if you guys don't mind, uh, if you want to become a patron member to support us to keep this going forward, we do in the works eventually want to get more cameras so we can kind of make the cameras kind of jump around, get you more involved, get close-ups to the certain setup we have. You know, just $1 donation means a lot to us. Patreon.com slash Anime Brothers Podcast. It'd be great. Um, and if you also want to check us out on YouTube, we're there now. We have uh, three episodes out. Uh, the first one's our award show, which is probably our best one. And, you know, Earthworm was looking good. Make sure you like and subscribe. It's the best way you can support us there. And hopefully we can get that looking nice and snazzy for you. But other than that, uh, there's not too much else for you guys. I have been JD, all by my lonesome, giving you some great anime and video game reactions. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we will see you next week, hopefully for our video game 3x3. Stick around and stay tuned. Bye-bye now.